Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We are a church in San Francisco, and we are praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. Praise God. So today I'm going to continue this series, and it's titled, Who Cares? Who Cares? Who cares? We've been talking on the subject of anxiety, depression, uh, discouragement, overwhelmness, all these fun things. We have a key scripture, and um, earlier this morning, our media team, they were scrambling because my notes weren't highlighted with, with this verse, so they started getting worried about the notes coming on the screen, but they're ready for the second service. This is the key theme scripture for this entire preaching series, and uh, easy to memorize, so it's going to pop up magically on the screen behind me. I hope. There it is. So would you, would you help me out today? If you're watching online as well, go ahead and just read it out loud from the comfort of your home, your car, wherever you're tuning in from. But would you read it out loud with me? Say, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Now that was a pretty good golf clap kind of like declaration. Can we take it up just one more notch? Because you're letting the heavens know, but you're also letting your soul know. i got to give all my cares and worries to God. You ready? A little louder. Let's go together. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Come on, give yourself a clap right now. That was awesome. Well done. Rashawn, my man, thank you. The reality is when it comes to this world, life is crazy, there's pressures all around us, there's tension, there's cultural pressures, there's family pressures, there's church pressures. You might be sitting next to somebody who is the cause of that pressure, don't raise your hand, but we know. <laughs> life is challenging many times, and um, when it comes to anxiety, we all experience anxiety. When it, when it comes to fear, we experience fear from time to time. When it comes to stress, Especially if you're going to SFO on Mondays, it is stressful. There's different ways and different things that we all experience. And today I want to camp on the idea of worrying. Now, if you've been coming for the last few weeks, you've already been taught that anxiety itself is not a sin. Depression itself is not a sin. Fear itself is not a sin. But what we do with these things can lead us into sin. How we respond to these curveballs of life, how we respond to these different pressures can lead us into unhealthy places. When it comes to worrying, we, 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 we in English, por favor, muchas gracias, señor. When it comes to worry, we all experience different moments and opportunities where all of a sudden we begin to worry about different things. Anxiety, she has different cousins, or he has different cousins. It's not gender specific. Anxiety has cousins. Depression, postpartum depression. Come on, somebody. Mama's in the room like, you love Jesus with all your heart, but why is it that you're experiencing these different emotions, right? Anxiety, overwhelmness, anxiousness, worry, stress. They're all kind of interrelated. They all have very similar symptoms. But there's different causes to different ones of these things. And today I want to spend some time talking about worry. If anxiety has a lot to do with how we feel on the inside... Worry has a lot to do with how we think. The cool thing about the Word of God is that your soul, my soul, that's where we contain our mind, will, emotions, our imagination. It's contained in that precious part of us called the soul. Sometimes that word is used interchangeably with the heart, referring to the inside of us, the invisible part of us. God cares about your heart. 
God cares about what you feel. God cares about what you're going through. He actually cares. Doctors may not understand why you're going through what you're going through. Man, is it hormonal? Is it chemical? Is it physiological, psychological? Is it spiritual? What is it? Doctors and physicians and therapists and specialists, they may not know, but God does. Because you and I were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Some of us more fearfully than wonderfully. Come on, somebody. But God knows and he cares. And the Bible actually gives us instructions on how to deal with worry and anxiety. Now, I'm a pastor, so I'm not a specialist when it comes to, you know, professional counseling. And we recommend counseling. If you experience severe anxiety and depression, praise God for professionals that can help you. My approach as a pastor is to come alongside of you from a spiritual standpoint to say, hey, we're standing with you. The spirit of God that indwells you, he wants to help you as well. He is the ultimate counselor. He is the ultimate therapist. He is the advocate. He's the healer. He's the friend. Come on, somebody. So when it comes to struggles, when it comes to challenges, maybe you were watching the Warriors and the Lakers late last night. Things were going good. First quarter, man, quite all right. Second quarter, great. Towards the end of the second quarter, you're like, huh, what's going on here? Sloppy play. Maybe you started feeling a little concerned. Now nah, they got this third quarter. But by the end of the third quarter, you started to pray in tongues. I know how you get down. Like, what is going on here? Start getting a little worried with the outcome. We're going to talk about worry today just a little bit. Have you ever, like, played the what if game? What if the outfit that I'm wearing today actually doesn't match? What are people going to think? Even worse, what if the outfit we're wearing doesn't fit? There's a couple more that I jotted down. What if we go out to lunch and we order the wrong meal? I'll be so frustrated. Now, my wife and I... Um, We've been married. It's going on 27 years. I'm actually taking her in about a week and a half to Italy. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Mamma mia, bello. She's been putting up with this guy for 27 years. That's how we do. So we're going to dip real quick in France for a day or two. Wee, wee, wee. Ha, ha, ha. Do the little French thing. Then we're going to go to Italy, travel a little bit. When it comes to our eating preferences... I, I learned this like within a few weeks of dating her and then getting married. Whatever it is that I order, she likes. Whatever it is that she orders, she still likes my more. So if I'm famished, Rashawn, if I'm really hungry, I'm like, okay, ain't nobody got time to share today. I order spicy food because she hates spicy food. So. <laughs> What if we ordered the wrong meal at lunchtime? What if, maybe you're a student, what if I bombed that test this week? I might have to do some summer school. No! What if? What if I blow that presentation at work? You've been trying to like climb that ladder, see that promotion, the upgrade, and what, what happens if you don't do well? What if I get laid off with all the different tech cuts going on and large chunks of folks being dismissed and you've been You've been climbing the ladder, all of a sudden the rug gets pulled from underneath you. You can, you can find yourself worrying, what if this happens? What if, what if my number gets called? What if my car breaks down? It's not a problem in San Francisco because half of us don't drive cars up in here. Come on, somebody. What if the car breaks down? What if I get into a car accident? Literally, my, one of my kids the other day were parked at a, at a light, and I saw, I'm like, oh, snap, oh, snap. The dude never slowed down and plowed into a car right next to us. You're like, how, why did it not plow into you? Because I got angels all the way around. 
pray a blessing everywhere I go. Come on, somebody. But what if we get into a car accident? What if I get injured or sick? That's why I don't go golfing with the fellas at the church. It's like, man, fellas, I, I got to stay healthy. If I go golf, I might pull a muscle. What if, Pastor Isaac, then I can't just sit back and watch football at home by myself. What if, what if my friends turn their back on me? What if the people that I'm being vulnerable with at small group all of a sudden turn on me? What if they spill the beans on some of our private conversations? What if my spouse leaves me? What if someone dear to me dies, the loss of a loved one? What if life just simply never gets better, it only gets worse from here? And we could play this game and run out all the different scenarios all afternoon. It's the what if game. And it's a game that can haunt people. It's a game that can harass people. And it comes from the mind, the thoughts, the imagination that we carry within our soul that, that allows us to go into these worrying seasons. Worry. Worry happens to all of us. Here's a big idea today. The what if game is all about worrying. You can play the worst case scenario all day long. If this person says this and then I'm going to have to do that. And if this other thing happens, then I'm going to have to. We're reacting. We're, we're reactionary rather than being preemptive and hearing the voice of God. Instead of the what if, how about the what is? How about God is? God is present. God is for you. God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. God is real. God is truth. God is compassionate. God is caring. God is almighty. God is there. Whatever it is that you would need, God is there. He is. So there's the what ifs and the what is. And the fact is God is good and everything he does is good. And oftentimes we don't understand him. We can't comprehend him, but it doesn't change who he is. God is. And that's why we put our hope in him. God, does, God doesn't just contain goodness. He is goodness. He doesn't just contain love. He is love. God is the answer. So today I want to explore with you this idea of what it means to live in the what is instead of the what if. Now, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus would be teaching for days. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest sermon recorded in the Gospels where Jesus starts teaching on a variety of different topics and subjects, both things from the past, present, future. He's teaching about the kingdom of heaven that is now here. And because we're citizens not just of an earthly kingdom, but we're part of a new kingdom, a different kingdom, a kingdom that has existed all along. A kingdom has a king, and he's, he is the king of glory. He's like, hey, the kingdom of heaven is here, right here, right now, right in front of you. He starts preaching about the kingdom of heaven and how God sees things from a different perspective. And he starts addressing the different issues of life. He starts talking about relevant pressures that they were experiencing. He starts talking about things that, that, that hit home with those listeners 2,000 years ago, but it continues to hit home with listeners right now. He, he talks about things like, like anger and racism, judging people. He talks about marriage and re, relational issues. He talks about that. He comes to this point talking about our day-to-day -day needs, and this is the setup right here. He's telling folks, don't worry about all these other things. God's got you covered. When you're part of the kingdom of heaven, God's got this. So this is what he says in Matthew 6, 25. It says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food in your body, more than clothing? Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Verse 33, he would say, but seek the kingdom of God above all else. Another version, seek first the kingdom of God. There's a tendency and a propensity within us to try to do things out of our own strength and abilities. And then if we can't do it, then we ask God for help. He's saying that's not the way it works in the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you actually need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So he's talking about not worrying, and I like the definition that, that we referred to a couple of weeks ago about worry. It's when you grab tomorrow's burdens and you try to carry them with today's burdens. You and I were not created to carry all those extra burdens. So when it comes to worry, real talk, let's, let's define worry. What does worry actually mean? There's many, def, uh, many different definitions, but I like this one. It's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Sometimes things aren't actually real, but there's a potential for challenges and we start worrying about those things. Sometimes real talk, we have real challenges and it's like, man, I'm worried. This is a reality that is happening. But then many times, it's not even a reality. It's a possibility, but it's not a reality. And we start losing sleep, losing joy over these different things. When it comes to worry, I'm going to give you three thoughts on what worry is. There's many others, but I'm going to give you three brief and amazing. First thought is this. Worry is a lie. There's truth, and then there's virtual truth. There's truth, and then there are imitations of truth. When it comes to worry, worry is a lie. It's more than just a bad habit, and we develop bad habits along the way, right? They say if you were to do something for 21 days consecutively, consistently, that will become a habit. And all those habits then become a lifestyle. When it comes to worry, more than a habit, it's a strategy that the enemy actually uses to rob us of our peace. When you allow your mind to drift into these unhealthy places and you find yourself worrying about things all the time in every possible scenario, the enemy actually uses it as a foothold to come and just blast you with insecurity and fear and it undermines the purposes of God for your life and it steals the peace that God actually has for you. As Bethel was exhorting earlier today during our communion time, he is the king of peace. He's the king of righteousness. Speaking of Melchizedek, but a picture and a type of Jesus. Jesus is a king of peace. He's the prince of peace is another definition for him. Jesus doesn't just contain peace. He is your peace. When the spirit of God lives inside on the inside of us, he produces a supernatural peace that the mind oftentimes can't comprehend. That's why you can be navigating through hell, going through all kinds of crazy storms in your life. And in the midst of all that, you can actually tap into an inner peace, not your own like yoga, mm, kind of like your own inner peace, but a peace from the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that gives you levity and the ability to navigate through turbulent waters without being overwhelmed. The picture of this would be Jesus and the disciples in a boat. There is a mission, there is a cause, there is a plan and a purpose. They're getting from point A to point B, but between A and B, there's a storm. And Jesus isn't phased by the storm. That's why in the midst of the craziness, he's actually taking a nap. 
Maybe like the person sitting next to you right now, you can give them like a little elbow indirect, like, hey, good preaching today. <laughs> and they're freaking out because in the middle of the process, someone say process, storms come, both against good people and not such good people. Storms and challenges do come, but there is a person who is the peace. He brings peace, perfect peace in turmoil. So rather than allowing our minds to be troubled and overwhelmed, see the enemy comes to harp on that and he comes to steal that peace. If he can steal our peace, then he steals our rest. Now, I've learned the art of being able to fall asleep pretty much anywhere. Like I, I've been on so many mission trips, I've flown around the world so many different times. I can hop on a plane, pop my, my little AirPods on, and within minutes, boof, I'm out. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Um, my wife and I, we would go on dates and I would waste so much money because we would go watch movies and within about five minutes into the movie, I'm out. <laughs> Holding hands, she's watching the whole movie. Chick flicks particularly, man, it put me out quick. <laughs> I can sleep pretty much anywhere, including church. And the unique thing, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a master at being able to adapt and adjust and fall asleep anywhere, if my mind is troubled and I'm worried about certain things, things that I potentially will experience or that people in our, our church might be experiencing or our, our church collectively might be experiencing, if I allow, allow my mind to start drifting into those unhealthy places of worry, then though I can sleep pretty much anywhere and I'm a pro, even with Benadryl, I still can't fall asleep. So it's a, it's a state of mind, it's a spiritual thing, that peace. Paul's, Paul refers to it, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He's talking about don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanks, let your prayers, your petitions be, known, be made known to God. And he says, and may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, may that be your portion. The enemy, when we start worrying, he actually comes to undermine and to suck the peace out of our lives. And then we can't find rest. And when we're not healthy, when we're not rested, then the joy leaks out. So it's this chronic problem. You with me so far? So the worries, it's actually a lie. It confuses the mind. It actually fogs our focus. It causes us not to be able to see clearly what God has in front of us. When it comes to vision, vision is such a frustrating thing. The Bible says that people without vision, they perish. People without prophetic revelation or vision, they cast off restraint. I think of the gal that was trying to swim the English canal from France to England. And on a foggy day, she swam, 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 swam for miles. And when she was only a few hundred yards away from the other shore, the other side, she lost her bearings because it was so foggy she couldn't see the other side. And she finally tapped out. Little did she know she was only a few minutes away after those hours. Focus is a problem. If you can't see clearly... It derails us. It derails you. And what happens with, with uh, worrying, it, it, it fogs up our ability to see, our focus. Examples. These are some examples that I have for you as far as lies that we actually buy into. Some of these, these lies would be something bad is likely going to happen in just a matter of time. Something bad is going to happen to me. Really? Wait a minute. You're in covenant with a good God. 
Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Why would you expect something bad to come? If you're walking in sin or you're walking in rebellion, you're pulling a Jonah, maybe some bad, challenging things will come. But if you're in covenant with God, you should expect good things. I'm not saying the challenging times won't come. We all experience that. Setbacks, delays, closed doors, that's part of the journey. But we should have an expectation of good things from a good God. Here's another lie. The more I worry about it, the better my odds of avoiding it. Not true. That's a big old lie right there. Here's another lie. I have no choice. I was actually born a worrier. No, you weren't. I don't care what kind of family, culture, background you come from. Well, that's how we do it. My people. We don't make excuses like that. Part of it is, again, if you were only part of the earthly kingdom, maybe you could use that as a crutch. But when you're part of the kingdom of heaven, we are new citizens, new creatures. There's a new nature that God begins to produce in our lives. We're no longer warriors. We are warriors. Come on, somebody. Aaron in the back rocking his Lakers jersey. We forgive him. We bless him. And I highly recommend that he sign up for our freedom retreat. Come on, somebody. Here's another lie. I can control the outcome by my worrying. No, you can't. No, you can't. So worry is a lie. Here's another thought when it comes to worry. Worry is a choice. No one's forcing you to be worried. Not even the devil has to jump on it like, I, I just want you to worry. No, actually, we have a tendency to worry on our own. It's a choice. We don't have to worry, but we choose oftentimes to give in to that. Again, the alarm of being worried, the alarm of being concerned itself is not wrong, but how we give ourselves into that can lead us into wrong places. It's all about our response. You can give in or you can resist the temptation of worry. You don't have to give in. How many, um, how many of y'all, like maybe the older folks here, that means, uh, let's say older than 40 years of age. <laughs> oh, Miles, come on, that's me and you, baby. Like how many of us go back to like hymns and hymnals? Y'all remember what hymnals are? Woo, man, you'd go to a more traditional church, maybe, maybe you've been to some traditional churches, and on the back of the pews, they would have two books. One is the Bible, King James Version, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, right, the thousand thighs. And then right next to it, oftentimes, there is another book called a hymnal. Some of you are like, man, thank God they finally are going old school again. I actually told Pastor Chelsea, maybe we should grab a couple of hymns from back in the day and just kind of like infuse them with some of our flows. There's no, there's no multi-tracks for those, but that's all right. We'll flow. But some of those old school hymns, Matthias, they're, they're profound. They're powerful. To be brutally honest, I think that there's a lot more substance and richness in a lot of those older hymns and songs than a lot of the songs that we do these days. Not a knock on modern worship. Come on, somebody. But like the poetry, the depth of the words. It's like, Wow. So I remember some old, old school songs. And I, as I was preparing for this message, I remember, I remember this hymn right here. The best version of it is Whitney Houston. If you actually look it up on YouTube, as like, oh my goodness, she just takes it to a whole nother level. She, she grew up in church and she would sing these songs, but here's, here's I'll, just, I'll just read a little bit of this one, right? This hymn right here says this, 
I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain. Old school right there. The mountain stands by me. It says, when the earth all around, when the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I I go to the rock, yeah, yeah. And then just picture Whitney just, ha, <laughs> But what is she saying? When everything around me is spinning out of control, when things are like sinking in sand, when I'm losing my ability to control the outcome, I know who to run to, not just where to go, but who to run to. And that is Jesus, the rock, the immovable, the unshakable, the unchangeable rock, the rock of my salvation. Many of us, when troubles come, you run to the rocks. Shaken, not stirred. Some of you will get this later this week. <laughs> There's different things or places that we run to when life gets hard, when chunks hit the fan. But there is a person bef before Chris Johnson. There is a person called The Rock, not MMA or not WWE or some other character on some TV screen. But there is The Rock, Jesus, that we can run to and we can stand upon. Am I preaching to somebody here today? That's why David, who writes about half of the Psalms in the book of Psalm, Psalms, he pencils this one out in Psalm 61. He says this, Oh God, <laughs> maybe, maybe you've been in one of those seasons. Oh God! If you haven't been there, just wait. You'll have your shot. Oh God, listen to my cry. Hear your boy out, Lord. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Here's another hymn. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Yes, all the way from who, this section right over here. <laughs> to the rock that is higher than I. That one right there, okay? It says, my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Come on, somebody. Let me live forever in your sanctuary. And I'm not talking about interns working for the church, but let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. That's a great place to go. When your heart is troubled, when you're full of anxiety and worries, there is a person that you can turn to and there is a person that you can stand upon. You stand upon his word. You stand upon his promises. You stand upon his character. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be pushed like that. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm standing on the word of God. When it comes to worries, it's us trying to take things into our own hands. So here's a thought, choose not to worry, but choose to run to the rock. Let her see the third thought on what worry is. Worry is a weed. 
Some of you just got excited in church right now. Chill. I'm not talking about marijuana. Not that kind of weed. I'm talking about that. Although fear is a cousin of worry, it's not the cause of worry. Some of us, and I, I've been reading up on this and kind of trying to learn a little bit more about all these different conversations, anxiety, depression, discouragement, postpartum depression, all these different things. When it comes to worry, many, many quote experts would say that the root cause of worry is fear. I, I actually disagree, I, I, and I'm not a specialist, but from my perspective, my opinion, I don't believe that the root cause is fear, though it ties into it. If worry is like a wild weed, the root system is control. It's all about control. We worry when we lose control. When we start considering scenarios that are beyond us and we can't alter the trajectory and we start getting worried. So maybe a fear and control had a baby, it would be the fear of losing control. Maybe that's what the root cause is. Worry is when you have this sense that, you know what, it's beyond me. It's, I, I can't alter the trajectory, so therefore I'm going to worry as though that's going to change anything. So the fear of losing control is what drives many to worry in their minds. The only way to overcome these quote-unquote weeds is to get to the root issue, which is control. How do we stop worrying? we got to consider who's holding this. Is it you? Or is it God? Now, when it, when it comes to our upbringings, um, when I was a preteen, um, I wanted to earn my allowances so I could buy stuff. Dad, what can I do around the house to, like, make some money? So we had our family responsibilities, and then my, my dad would allow me to wash the car every Saturday. We could, I could wash the car, and he'd give me a little allowance. So I'd have to back the car out of the driveway. And then it's like, but I don't like to wash the car like this. I like it when it's facing the other direction, like towards the street. So as a 12-year-old, I'd back the car out, stick shift, let's go. That's how we roll. And being that I'm turning the car already, might as well not just stop right here. Let's just go around the block because that would give me a better perspective on how to back up into the driveway. Shout out to you, Dad. I love you. I knew you knew. Love you. You're the best. Wash the car, dry the car, wax the car. Waxing, I'd get double the allowance. Let's go. And then there was this one chore that I hated. I was going to have to do it anyways, but my dad would kind of hook it up with some allowance money, and that was to mow the lawns. And I hated mowing the lawn. To this day, that's why we moved to San Francisco. We don't have a lawn to mow anymore. It's like... Hate yard work. And we didn't have like a gas-powered lawnmower. Didn't have an electric one. I had the old school ones with the blades. And on a Saturday morning when there's still like dew on the grass and it's wet, it's like hell on earth. You can't mow the lawn when it's wet. You're pushing with everything and you're like, and it's just not mowing the darn lawn. But what my dad taught me was before I could mow the lawn, I'd actually have to do what? Pull the weeds. Now, I could go with the lawnmower and just go real quick over all the grass and the weeds and just chop it all off, collect everything. Like, man, the lawn looks great. But within about two to three days, hello, 
I'm back. Maybe if you're a parent and you've watched, your children watch VeggieTales, there's a whole VeggieTales, weeds, the weeds of wrath. The root system, the under root system all throughout the city. When it comes to these weeds in the lawn, my dad knew if I was cutting corners because within a few days, those weeds would pop back up. So he would actually instruct me like, son, I'm not going to give you the allowance if you're not going to pull the weeds. If these weeds start popping up within a few, I'm going to get my allowance back. The money I gave you, you're going to. So I'd have, I was motivated to get on my knees and do the dirty work. And that's how worry is exterminated. It's through the dirty work of actually getting on our knees and praying, God, I want to be in control. I want to determine the outcome of how this is playing out with my kids, my family, business, my ministry. But these things are beyond me, God, and I'm, I, I'm afraid that I'm losing control. Through prayer and a posture of surrender, as you're doing the dirty work, God is doing the cleanup work. Removing those things within your life that are actually keeping you bound rather than free. So when it comes to worry, it's a weed. And it requires work. To overcome it, it also requires fighting. Fighting the flesh. Fighting, fighting our own selfish desires. Fighting the tendency to want to hijack the wheel again. I got this! It's a fight. Love how, how Pastor Danny Schultz, he preached here and he says, the battle is the Lord's. God fights your battle, but he won't fight without you. So when it comes to fighting these battles that we all experience, I got some friends, you know what it is to experience these battles, pressing through in the spirit. The battle isn't yours, sis, it's the Lord's, but he includes you in that battling. As you link up with him, he's doing the heavy lifting, but we're still doing our part. God, I'm praying. I'm believing, I'm contending, I'm standing on your promises, I'm fighting the temptation to cave in, I'm fighting the temptation to allow worry to hijack my mind and my heart, I'm fighting. This is how I fight my battle. One of the things that, that helps me overcome worry is worship. I can change the atmosphere around me by allowing my heart to tune into worship. As I worship him, as I fix my eyes on him, all my other troubles become a little smaller because I'm reminded of how big my God is. So we overcome through work and through fighting. It's all a spiritual thing. So how do we overcome it? Let me give you two thoughts and then it's a wrap. How do we overcome worry? First thought, surrender completely. So we can't surrender partially. God, like you're holding on to something with both hands. I'm going to surrender to you. You open one hand and you're still holding on with the other. That ain't surrender. That's a little religious exercise. That's all you're doing. It's not surrender. God doesn't, he didn't give you half of his best. He gave you all of his best. So when we talk about surrender, we don't just give him part of our hearts. We give him all of our hearts. Here's the thought. Jesus, he can carry what is worrying you because he has already carried what was meant to kill you. I'm going to say that again because some of you didn't get it. When it comes to the things that you're carrying, Jesus can carry what it is that you're worrying, worrying about because he has already carried what was meant to actually kill you. Those things that were meant for your destruction, he took it upon himself on that cross. If he can carry that, he can carry your worries as well. 
How do you then win the battle on worry and finding true peace? How is it that we find that, especially when the, wor the world around us is like crazy and it seems to be out of control? Like the entire world, we experienced a global pandemic and we realized, wow, things legitimately are out of control. The best institutions, the best governments, whatever that would be, none of us had the solution. God, only you can intervene. I'm going to throw a little, a little freebie. I've been sensing in my spirit for many months that a revival is coming to the earth, not just America, but to the world around us, like we've never experienced in the history of mankind. We've heard of revivals. Some of you who've been around for a minute, you've seen glimpses of revival. You can go back and read about the Azusa revival, the Welsh revival, your mama's revival, all these other revivals. <laughs> the Lord's been speaking to me prophetically that he's about to pour out his spirit in a new way. That's why Asbury, you know, just a few months ago, that, that's a little glimpse of like a tiny little teaser, hors d'oeuvres. God is about to pour out his spirit upon the world. We're being pulled in. And so it's not a time to fret. It's not a time to worry about the outcome. God already has the outcome in his hands. He holds our future in his hands. He's got this for sure. It requires, though, a complete surrender on our part. How do we experience this? You find peace by surrendering your need for control to the one who is actually in control. When no one else gets it, there's still a God who gets it. He's still in control. So as you surrender these things, and you leave them in his hands, you're in a safe place. That's why we say, let go and let God. Take your hands off the wheel and let God call the shots. The second and final thought would be this. So there's a surrendering completely and there's a trusting fully. What does it mean to fully trust God? They, they sound like the same thing, but there's different angles to it. Surrendering and trusting. Elaine and I with our four kids, um, I remember our little ones. One of the highlights for family vacations for me was going to a place with the pool. And as the little kids now, they're, they're walking around they're in their pull-up diapers, and if you, I don't even know what they call the little swimming pull-up diapers, but they're big old giant little bubble things around the kids, right? Remember the kids come and we're in the pool, and they're looking at this, and it's like, wow, this is the hugest bathtub I've ever seen, and they're just kind of wobbling, trying to get close to the edge. Different ones with different personalities were quick to run into the pool. Others were a little more cautious. And I remember being in the water saying, all right, jump! Jump into daddy's arms. I got you. And they're just kind of like, they're assessing the moment. Should I do this? Could I do this? Do I want to do this? And they're standing there. Mama gets in the pool and without even saying anything, like, Mama, just jump right into her arms. But I do remember, all, all four of them for that matter, including Elena. Hey, catch me. <laughs> sense of like, wow, they, they trust me. Good job, Elena. You trust me. I got you. When it comes to trust, it's this, God, I, I can't control the outcome. I'm not going to worry, but I know you've got me. I'm going to trust you because of who you are. I'm going to trust you because of your name. I'm going to trust you because of your word. I'm going to trust you because of your character and nature. I'm going to trust you because of your will. 
you got good plans for me, so I trust you. I don't know how things are going to play out. I don't know the twists and turns in this journey, but I know the one who is the author and the finisher of this journey. So God, if you've begun that good work in me, then I know you're going to complete it. I trust you. When it comes to this life of surrendering control, we got to trust him that he's got it and he's got our best interest in mind. Closing verse would be Proverbs 3 when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. To overcome worry means that you surrender control. I want to pray for us today, and hopefully, this is encouraging you. And we're going to continue this series for a few more weeks. Pastor Elena, Pastor Keys, different ones are helping me out, but hopefully this is practical and this helps you, right? When you find these moments where your heart and your mind particularly starts to just run all these different scenarios, stop. Say, God, I surrender. Visualize the hands of God. God, I'm choosing to put these concerns into your hands. I'm choosing to place this situation into your care. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I know that you're a good God and you've got this. Now give me courage, God, to trust you. And then he's going to help us. Can we pray? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness. Thank you, God, that even in a crazy world when things are spinning out of control all around us, you're still good and you're still God. Lord, I thank you that you're helping us to not react to the setbacks, not to react to the crazy things that happen around us, but to trust you. So, Lord, we want to surrender and we want to trust. Give us, Father God, your perspective. Give us your heart. Give us your courage to take these bold steps. I pray blessing over each one here today in Jesus' name. And as we do every service, my favorite prayer of the week is helping people get right with God. Maybe you came to church today in person or maybe you're watching online. And if you had to be brutally honest with yourself, you're like, I I'm not right with God. You and God haven't been on the best of terms. He cares about you, but you haven't been close to him. Maybe you find yourself today saying, I need to surrender to him. Maybe the first scenario, you never gave him permission to be the Lord of your life. Maybe that's your story today. Or maybe the second scenario, maybe at some point you did, but you've drifted. You've lost your focus and you've hijacked the wheel and you realize, man, I need to get right with God. I need to surrender. I need him to take control. The amazing thing about the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that means anybody, even Raiders fans, come on somebody. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So I'm going to lead us out in this prayer. And if, if that's your decision, I promise you, God's going to hear your prayer. Again, if you're watching online, this includes you as well. God hears our prayers, the prayers that come from our hearts. I'm going to invite you to repeat the prayer with me out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today, I surrender fully and completely to you. I give you my life. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins, all my selfish ways. I let go and I let God. God, have your way in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you said that prayer today for the first time or rededication, there's a QR code right in front of you. If you're online, you can see that all as well, the, the little uh, link right there where it says, I did. Just click that link. Our team, we love to celebrate these decisions and we're committed to helping you grow in your faith if you made that decision, you can either scan the QR code or even better, swing by the Connection Center. There's a gift, a little jumpstart kit waiting for you. 
There's a gift card. There's some practical steps. And we'd love to have one of our team members reach out to you and encourage you and help you. So, amen. Can we tell all of our friends who prayed that? Well done. God bless you guys. Maria is going to come close out the service. Love you.